You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's nothing better than feeling comfortable in your own shoes. And that doesn't mean flopping down on the couch with bunny slippers. Maybe you're a parent raising a little rock star or a tech nomad working from anywhere and jumping from one thing to the next. Whoever you are, Allbird wants you to be comfortable in your actual shoes too. Their wool runners, pipers, and loungers are designed for a level of coziness that makes you feel like you can do anything. You might even forget you're wearing them. And their shoes are so stylish, they go perfectly with a wear-whatever-I-want attitude. Allbirds is all about loving Mother Nature too, because no one wants to leave a bad footprint. Each shoe is carefully crafted from natural materials that tread lightly on our planet. From ZQ-certified merino wool to a bouncy midsole made from sweet foam, the world's first carbon-negative EVA material made from sugarcane. When it comes to work, communication is key. Even if you don't have a writing job, sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at Grammarly.com slash podcast. At the northern edge of the beguiling Brecon Beacons in Cymru, under the shadow of Pen y Fan to the south and the Black Mountains to the east, there sits a large stone house. Long and narrow, with its rickety roof and jumbled patchwork of brick, it lies at the intersection of two winding lanes, surrounded by a thick ring of oak, alder and witch elm. 
hidden from prying eyes by the holly, the hawthorn, and the ash. From the front, ivy pours greedily at its northern flanks, almost as if it were trying to drag it down and into the ground, while from the back, the way the earth rises up into a rugged clearing of thick scrub, you'd be forgiven for thinking it was part way to succeeding. Its name is Heolfanoc, or in English, Road to the Peaks, a reference to the hills and mountains that overshadow it. An entry point of sorts, or perhaps a gateway, as some might say. Constructed in the 1950s like a repurposed limb, grafted onto the remnants of an old barn, it is comprised largely of stone taken from what was left of the old 16th century manor house, the lichen-covered ruins of which can still be found hidden deeper amongst the trees at the very back of the garden. It is May 1989, and all is quiet save for the distant chatter of skylarks, while high above, light tufts of cloud in the bright spring sky draw shadows across the roof. They drift lazily from front to back, east to west, slipping down onto the thick grass before heading into the trees and disappearing somewhere beyond. Inside, silence reigns as dust moths float through soft beams of light, spiders twitch in dark corners, the barn door creaks. Up above, a large crow comes to rest on the chimney pot, digging its beak into its feathers as it preens, when suddenly its head jerks up. The eyes alert to something rustling in the undergrowth. Moments later, something else, far more ominous, is heard. The faint sound of an approaching vehicle. With a strained squawk, the crow spreads its iridescent wings and launches into the air, rising away and over the treetops before it too disappears somewhere beyond. Back down below, he old Fanok sits quiet and still as the sound of the engine draws ever nearer until finally a car turns into the front drive and pulls up outside the house. Silence returns for the briefest of moments before the front doors swing open and its excitable passengers spill out into the warm spring air. You're listening to Unexplained, and I'm Richard McLean Smith. Thirty-year-old Liz was first to exit, followed by her partner Bill, 13 years her senior, from the other side of the car. A big smile spreading across her face as she caught his eye. 14-year-old Lawrence, Bill's son from a previous marriage, was the last to get out, slowly extricating himself from the back seat. Liz, her pregnancy bump just beginning to show above her waist, paused to take it all in as Bill and Lawrence set about unloading their things. It was even more beautiful than she remembered, she thought. The perfect place to raise their baby and begin afresh, free from the distractions of the past. For Bill, 
It was the sheer remoteness of the place and the large studio space above the barn that had first appealed. A gifted and renowned artist of predominantly surrealist pop art pieces, Bill had become increasingly frustrated with how much his time was being taken up with his more commercial endeavours, creating decorative boxes and other pieces for the casual consumer. He old Fanock, he hoped, would be a chance to rediscover the true artist inside him. For most, in similar circumstances, it is easy to become distracted by the excitement of a move, to become wrapped up in the accompanying sense of optimism it often brings. It is also easy, when in such a state, not to notice things that, at the time, might otherwise have seemed a little off-kilter. The receipt for £6.66 that Bill found, shortly after moving in, taken from the last meal the couple ate before arriving at the house, for example, or the £66.60 grocery bill they would incur shortly after. There were certainly no signs of anything untoward that first summer, as the family settled into their new lives bringing a whole host of life to join them in their new adventure, from cats to goats, and even a pig named Lucinda. And with a steady run of orders for Bill's work coming in, it wasn't long before he was finally able to dedicate some time to his more personal and fulfilling work. By September, Liz and Bill were married, and the following month, as if to top it all off, her waters broke. Despite some initial complications, come November, the couple welcomed new arrival, Ben, into their dream home. Life, as they say, couldn't have been more sweet. But all that was about to change. It was one afternoon in mid-November, when Liz stepped out of the house for some fresh air. As a sudden gust of wind rustled the leaves in the trees, she was struck for the first time by just how quiet it usually was out there, as if no birds ever seemed to alight in the garden. Perhaps it was just the drawing in of the nights, or how winter had stripped the leaves from some of the larger trees, leaving her and the house feeling a little more exposed than usual. But as Liz watched the pale sun drop below the horizon, sending majestic crepuscular rays shooting white gold across the sky, it wasn't a sense of wonder that she felt, but dread. Early one morning, with all the family laying fast asleep, baby Ben begins to twitch in his cot kicking out with both legs, with his hands squeezed up into little fists and his face beginning to redden and scrunch up. Finally, his mouth opens wide and he begins to cry. Liz, having woken instantly, switched on the light and gathered Ben from the cot. As she prepared to feed him, a weary Bill pulled back the covers and headed toward the toilet downstairs. He had just started to pee when an unexpected noise startled him. A loud hammering sound that seemed to be moving along the corridor above. 
like heavy footsteps. Bill froze as the apparent footsteps neared the top of the stairs before coming to a sudden stop. Assuming it to be his son Lawrence, Bill headed back upstairs only to find the corridor completely empty and Lawrence's bedroom door now closed. He switched off the light and returned to his own bedroom where he found Liz quietly placing Ben back into his cot. Bill asked if she'd heard anything too, but to his surprise, she hadn't heard a thing. He poked his head back into the hall, switched on the light and stood watch for a moment, keeping his eyes trained on the studio door at the far end. Hearing and seeing nothing, he switched off the light and returned to bed. The following morning, Bill and Liz were stunned to receive an exorbitant electricity bill from Swaylek, the South Wales Electricity Board, which was almost four times what they had been expecting. That afternoon, as she sat down on the bed to feed Ben, Liz couldn't stop thinking about the extortionate invoice and what Bill had said the previous night, that he'd heard something moving about the house. Although it was true that she hadn't heard anything herself, there was something that she hadn't mentioned. That recently, in her private moments, she had begun to feel as though something was watching her. Just then, the studio door at the far end of the house slammed shut with a bang, startling Liz momentarily. Thinking it was nothing, she returned to feeding her baby when a second, closer door slammed shut, startling her again. It must be Lawrence, she thought, with annoyance. With her eyes now trained on her own door, Liz jumped again when the sound of a third door being slammed was heard, this time leaving her utterly frozen in fear. For although the noise seemed to have come from inside her own room, the door hadn't moved an inch. Bill, who had heard the bangs from downstairs, burst in moments later to find a scared and confused Liz struggling to comprehend what had just happened. Convinced it had something to do with Lawrence, she demanded that Bill tell him to pack it in. But Bill didn't understand. Lawrence hadn't been home for over an hour. Bill called the electricity board at the first opportunity to dispute their invoice, eventually forcing them to send an electrician round to monitor the meter. Unfortunately, they found nothing wrong with it. Though they couldn't say exactly how the family were racking up such a large bill, something in that house was draining the electricity one way or another. It was about the same time that Bill started noticing a foul smell emanating from somewhere in the kitchen as if something putrid had been set on fire. A plumber was duly called to locate the source of it but found nothing untoward. As winter approached, life at the house, superficially at least, carried on as normal 
However, though the couple had yet to acknowledge it to each other, both had the sense that something of the atmosphere in their home had recently shifted. A few days later, Bill received a disappointing phone call from a major client. They were terribly sorry, they said, but they would have to cancel their order. Conscious of the unwieldy electricity bill still hanging over their heads, Bill tried to remain upbeat. After all, he still had another large order to fulfil. Later that afternoon, they cancelled too. As the holiday season approached, Bill and Liz, with their newborn son, and Lawrence, who they felt was becoming increasingly withdrawn, found themselves in the grip of a very domestic sense of uncertainty. For by now, Liz and Lawrence were noticing those footsteps too, and the occasional eruptions of the inexplicable putrid stench that continued to plague their home. But most of all, they couldn't escape that unmistakable, skin-crawling sensation that something else was in there with them. Are you always taking care of your family? Do you often take care of others and not yourself? Now it's time to take care of yourself, to make time for you. You deserve it. Teladoc gives you access to a licensed therapist to help you get back to feeling your best, to feeling like yourself again. With Teladoc, you can speak to a licensed therapist by phone or video. Therapy appointments are available seven days a week from 7am to 9pm local time. If you feel overwhelmed sometimes, maybe you feel stressed or anxious, depressed or lonely, or you might be struggling with a personal or family issue, Teladoc can help. Teladoc is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy to change counsellors if needed, for free. Teladoc therapy is available through most insurance or employers. Download the app or visit teladoc.com forward slash unexplained podcast today to get started. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C dot com slash unexplained podcast. After sharing a first Christmas together in their new home, not least for the benefit of Lawrence and their baby son, Bill and Liz agreed to not let the disappointments of the last few months and the increasingly strange events get the better of them. It wouldn't be long, however, before they were being challenged again. Early in the new year, Liz entered the barn, overjoyed to find their goat Lulu had given birth to two kids. But when she neared them, her excitement turned to horror. Though one kid seemed bright and healthy, the other lay completely still, its tiny glassy eyes fixed and rolled back into its head. The mother had crushed it with her hind legs shortly after it was born. Not long after that, Lucinda the pig was found rushing about the barn, screaming wildly. A few days later, she was diagnosed with a rare disease, for which there was no cure. The devastated family had no option but to have her put down. Liz tried her best not to overthink it all, to put it down to unfortunate coincidence. 
But when Bill's orders started drying up too, she couldn't ignore it anymore. Picking up the phone one morning, she took a deep breath and dialed. A few moments later, Bridget Buscombe, the previous resident of Heofanok, answered the call. After introducing herself, Liz, cautious not to sound too odd, proceeded to ask Bridget about her time living in the house. She was disappointed, however, to learn that she had only fond memories of her experiences there. But as the pair were just saying their goodbyes, Liz sensed a slight pause from Bridget's end. Actually, she said finally, there was one thing. Yes, replied Liz. Once, when she had been lying alone reading in bed, with her husband away on business, she became aware of a very gentle, creaking sound. Looking across to the other side of the room, she was astonished to see her antique spinning wheel slowly turning of its own accord. She had stared at it, utterly perplexed for a number of seconds, before eventually rising from the bed and jamming it with a piece of paper. She knew it, thought Liz. They hadn't been imagining it, after all. As if in response to Liz's renewed conviction that something untoward was occurring in their home, the strange activity intensified, and in early March, they finally agreed to seek help. A priest was found to bless the house, and although he didn't notice anything himself, the family were reassured by his lack of judgement and determination to help, and in the days that followed, the house seemed lighter and more spacious than it had done in months. One morning, after Bill had driven into town to run some errands, Liz took Ben for a walk. When she returned, for the first time she could remember, Liz felt pleased to see the house. Smiling warmly at the sight of her husband in one of the top floor windows, as she made her way up the driveway with Ben. But then her smile dropped. Bill's car was not in the driveway, meaning it wasn't her husband standing at the window. With her breath quickening, Liz forced herself to look up again. There, staring back at her from inside the house, was the gaunt face of an elderly woman she didn't recognise. A moment later, it was gone. Left terrified at the recent turn of events, but unable to afford a move elsewhere, the couple turned their attention to the history of the local area in the hope that they might uncover something to help understand what seemed to be stalking their home. Soon after, a builder responding to a hopeful article placed by Bill in the local paper got in touch. There was something he thought the couple should know. The man, as he went on to explain, had helped build the house in the 1950s. At some point during construction, he and his co-workers were gathering stones from the ruins of the old manor house 
when they came across a set of old, smashed-up headstones in amongst the rubble. Could it be, he wondered, that the house had in fact been built on the site of the old manor house's burial ground? One afternoon in the spring of 1990, Bill was upstairs working in his studio when Liz, who was just finishing cleaning up in the kitchen, had the sudden urge to check on their baby. With a rising sense of panic, Liz hurried to the bedroom. Rushing through the door, she looked up in horror to find sitting in the chair opposite the crib the same elderly woman she had seen looking at her from the window. A second later, she was gone. The next morning, Bill woke in agony to find both his hands strangely dry, the skin red and cracking all over them. The sudden affliction left him unable to paint for weeks on end. But just as the increasingly oppressive atmosphere in the house was threatening to overcome them, the mood was lifted when the couple learned that Liz was pregnant again. The joyous revelation left them more determined than ever to find an end to their problems. Local spiritualist Ray Williams was recommended to the couple, having apparently succeeded in helping other parishioners in similar situations to themselves. Arriving one bright April morning, along with two colleagues, he swiftly set about examining each room of the house for any sign of psychical disturbance. Within minutes, Williams was in no doubt that something dark had found its way into the property. A few days later, with Liz and the children staying at her mother's in the nearby village of Cowbridge, Bill arrived at the property to meet with the three men again. After letting them in, he waited in the kitchen as they carefully made their way around the house, blessing each room. A short time later, while Bill went through his mail, he heard a cry coming from the back of the house. Racing outside to investigate, he found one of the men doubled over in pain, claiming it had come on as soon as he approached the window to the downstairs bathroom. Returning to the house, the men made a beeline for the small area between the bottom of the stairs and the restroom downstairs convinced it was where the malicious activity was centering. Bill explained with amazement that indeed it was the exact spot where most of the strange events seemed to occur. With their investigation completed, the men relayed their findings to Bill, stating that they had felt the presence of four entities in total, three being an elderly woman and two young men, who they had now successfully banished from the house. However, there was one other, far darker and clearly not of this world. It was their opinion that, unlike the three other entities, it had not originated at the site of the property, but had in fact arrived with Bill and may have been following him for the past 20 years. Later, in an effort to provide protection for the family, one of the men returned to construct a psychic wall of protection around the house 
finding a spot on the kitchen floor. He carefully outlined a pentacle with chalk before placing incense at each point. As the perfumed smoke drifted and dispersed into the room, quietly he implored any spirits to vacate the property immediately. Twenty minutes later, he was gone, leaving Bill alone to rack his brains for any reason as to why a malicious entity might have attached itself to him. And then it came to him. Alex Sanders. Back in his early 20s, when Bill was trying to make a name for himself as an aspiring artist in London, he was introduced to a man named Alex Sanders, the self-styled King of the Witches. The controversial Sanders had at one time been a follower of renowned Wiccan practitioner Gerald Gardner, before splitting from his teachings to pursue his own interpretations of ceremonial magic. Having at one point been informed of Bill's ambitions, Sanders offered to initiate him into his coven in an effort to aid his development as an artist. With nothing to lose and curious to know more, Bill accepted his invitation. However, no sooner had Bill begun the series of initiation rituals than he had a change of heart and pulled out of it. Could it be, he wondered, that his failure to complete the initiation had opened some kind of gateway, allowing something unsavoury to come through and attach itself to him. Either way, when the family moved back to the house that summer, they found that whatever the spiritualists had done appeared to have worked. Gone was the heavy, oppressive atmosphere, those strange noises and noxious smells. Despite the apparent cleansing of Iolfanok, however, Bill, growing increasingly worried about the impact it was all having on Lawrence, was unwilling to take any more chances. After consulting with his ex-wife, it was arranged to have Lawrence take a room at a nearby boarding house. Though Bill was relieved that his oldest son could now get on with life away from the mayhem, it was a further hit to the family finances. As if things weren't complicated enough, a nationwide recession had all but done for his regular stream of income. In July, they were forced to sell the car, and being unable to pay the phone bill, their line was cut off. With a number of friends and family having found it difficult to sympathise with their recent plight, having no experience of what it was they had been through, the family could scarcely have felt more isolated. That summer of 1990, the trees that surrounded the house seemed to loom higher than ever. The rising hills of the beacons, taller and more foreboding. And it wasn't long before Bill and Liz were hearing those footsteps again. This concludes part one of Alone With Everybody. You can hear the second and final part next week, on Friday, 18th of January. If you enjoy listening to Unexplained and would like to help supporters, you can now go to unexplainedpodcast.com forward slash support 
All donations, no matter how large or small, are massively appreciated. All elements of Unexplained are produced by me, Richard McLean Smith. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. Feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com or on Twitter at unexplainedpod. Now it's time to take care of yourself, to make time for you. Teladoc gives you access to a licensed therapist to help you get back to feeling your best. Speak to a licensed therapist by phone or video anytime between 7am to 9pm local time, seven days a week. Teladoc therapy is available through most insurance or employers. Download the app or visit teladoc.com forward slash unexplained podcast today to get started. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C dot com slash unexplained podcast. When it comes to work, communication is key. Even if you don't have a writing job, sounding unconfident, indecisive or passive aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at Grammarly.com slash podcast. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.